Hello and welcome to Millennial Money Mindset. I'm excited to welcome Lucy Dunnett to the show today, who's a Specialist Investor of the Year. How, thank you so much for joining us. So tell me about Specialist Investor of the Year. That sounds amazing. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I think I've had a stroke of luck with yeah. Specialist Investor of the Year title. Okay. Um, given out by the Women in Finance Awards. Yeah. And um, at the time, I was probably the only pregnant woman working in the venture capital industry. Yeah. Um, walking around and supporting sort of female entrepreneurship. Yeah. And encouraging female investors to invest into female entrepreneurs. So I think it was the all-round kind of effort towards um, women and money and uh, investment into female entrepreneurship that it got me that title. I think um, I, yeah, I've also done quite a bit of investment myself, mostly into sort of mission-driven founders. Yeah. Um, and just found that that is a very rewarding way to kind of spend my time and money because it can involve a lot of advice with those women, helping them with things that they need, also connecting them to the right yeah. people. So. Oh, that sounds that sounds amazing. So what we're going to do today, we're going to the title of the show is how to make the world a better place. So we're talking about well, essentially the way we can improve life and the way the world for a better, um, yeah, to make things a little bit better. So we're going to talk about why why we need the better uh, better world. We're going to talk about what what the current system is at the moment and essentially how we can take proactive steps individually. We can. Um, together, like how we can actually take steps to improve things. Um, so first of all, yeah, we're going to talk about. Um, we both like a book called Utopia for Realists. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, um, and we're also going to talk about financial freedom as well and what that means. Um, so first of all, tell me more about you said venture capitalists. So let's for the listeners, people might not necessarily know what that is. In my head, it's essentially investors look at kind of startups or kind of growing companies and invest their money to kind of scale up. Is that correct or tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a, it's a, a pretty sort of scary world actually. It's a very, very risky place to invest your, invest your money um, because that most startups sort of fail before they get past their second year of yeah. existence. Uh, but often it's where very innovative ideas come up and quite sort of um, new entrepreneurs thinking of interesting ways of doing things yeah. and looking for investment to get their business idea off the ground. So um, often they look at initially for what they call angel investors, yeah. um, people with wings who yeah. feel comfortable giving their money away to very risky businesses. And, uh, and then next on from that often they go for kind of venture capital money which is very hard-nosed quite sort of um, scary people who basically put your business through um, a sieve with probably only one hole in it yeah and the chance of your business coming outside yeah. in, in a positive way is, is quite quite unlikely but the great thing about um, that model is that it, it can um, help business owners to iterate quickly and uh, pivot what they're doing into a model that works and yeah. will work sustainably long term. So um, 
yeah, it's, it's definitely something for sort of later on in the investment journey if, anyone's, yeah. if anyone's considering doing that. But for example, some people like to sort of dabble a little bit with very small amounts of money on things like Crowdcube yeah. and Cedars um, investing or, or sort of Kickstarter where you might get a, a, a small gadget before yeah. it's been made properly. So the way I think about, talk about entrepreneurship, it's, and it, we're going to talk about essentially business and how we can make the world a better place, but the, the way I see an entrepreneur is someone who takes um, in a kind of a low, basically a, a problem solver. So they're going to look at the world and think, actually, there's a better way to do things, or I don't agree with the system in place, and I can change one or two things for the better. But the challenge with any entrepreneur, we need we're in a capitalist system and we need capital or money to um, I don't know, scale your business and to grow your business so that's kind of where invest so investors come in but I, I, th- I guess I see investors two things it's, it's kind of your kind of retail investor who's you're, you're buying business like kind of shares of businesses but then there's also kind of the, the venture capitalist system which businesses which is much more kind of much more scarier much scarier place which is you're much more kind of um, used to it than, than perhaps myself. But um, yeah, what do you think of entrepreneurship? It's, it's kind of become almost, um, yeah, it's growing significantly since like, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. There wasn't such, such a big kind of, especially in London, kind of an entrepreneurial culture with you know, all, lots of kind of startups growing pretty quickly. And, um, yeah, I think um, something that I've, notice actually in terms of the sort of financial freedom thing is that a lot of um, kind of millennials really they look at their future and they think okay I can either sort of work in the day job and earn slowly and save for myself which could take forever (laughs) or I can start my own thing and hope that it will become something bigger than what I would ever have been able to save had I been um just working in a normal job so I think yeah. some entrepreneurs see it as a way to kind of kick start their um, it kind of saving an investment into yeah. a faster growth cycle yeah it's obviously like a very very risky way to do that yeah and you're sort of risking your, your whole life really there um, but it can also be you know an incredibly fun journey and I, I, I do think just just back to the sort of financial freedom thing it is it's really tough in this day and age. You know, most people live day to day with fear about money, fear that they're not going to have enough to save for to buy a property, fear that they're not going to have enough to save to buy to save for a pension, yeah. fear that they're not going to have enough to contribute to a family and have children, and yeah. things like that. So I think it is it's really, really tough at the moment. Um, like my dad only said to me a few weeks ago that it was much easier for him back when he was my age. It was sort of yeah. to buy a, his first flat. It was only three times his salary yeah. at the time, so it wasn't you know, yeah, the most enormous hardship. Whereas exactly. now it's way, way harder, especially somewhere like London. So um, I think what I just would love to see is us trying to find a way to enable people to move away from that fear mode. Yeah. That we're, many of us have been in in our life um, into this sort of financial freedom mode where we feel comfortable that we've got enough to survive on and it helps us to um, step away from spending our time doing things that only earn us the most money yeah um, and 
move towards instead spending our time doing things that are really meaningful yeah something that makes us really happy yeah or you know just not working and yeah. having some time with our family yeah um, so i think yeah i'd love to to see kind of a general progression to this sort of realization but also that just that money is should be to everyone a means to an end yeah. it shouldn't be something where we think We've got to make loads of money to be happy. Yeah. We actually we, we use money to enable us to step into this freedom mode, where we can do things where we feel like we're contributing to society yeah. that make us really happy, um, that allow us to spend more time with our friends and family. And I think yeah. for me, that's just just been something that I've I've was probably my biggest learning through my career given that I've been working in wealth management, um, yeah. is this realization that I've been working with people that have lots and lots of money yeah. and I've been advising them. And it sounds like you've also been advising people that have yeah. quite a lot of money to invest in. And often they're actually not very happy. Yeah. They're so concerned about um, their own assets, and yeah. building their own assets, that they're actually not thinking about their day-to-day well-being and their happiness. And yeah what it is that they really want to do with their lives. So I think that's a you know an important lesson for anyone that's sort of going out on this journey of um, investing and saving and things is, is just to, to think about it as a kind of a means to get you into the financial freedom spot and when you are yeah. think about other things. Yeah, no it's, it's fascinating, you know it's so really good interesting points there. So three points are that that you mentioned there, so uh, financial freedom. So yeah, first, I talk about in my book, uh, Millennial Money Mindset, essentially the rules have changed. Like previous generations, you would have, um, you know, my parents' generation, would you'd be in a job job for life, you, um, you would stay in that job, buy an affordable house, and at the end of that job, you'd get a handshake, kind of um, a carriage clock and a guaranteed income for life. You'd Essentially, that model was blown out the water where um, we now have to essentially we have to invest ourselves and that's essentially what I'm trying to do with the podcast and the book and my business money tips um, but you also mentioned enough that's that's fast that was kind of one of my big what I call my aha moments or the kind of realization moments where once you understand how much you need to live on for the rest of your life then you, a lot of that you talk about fear as well a lot of that fear kind of um, goes away because you actually have a goal to aim towards and you actually will I, I mean even though it sounds like a lot of the time 10, 20 years time, if you understand how much is enough, what's your number, how much you need to live on for the rest of your life, then it's quite a big comfort that you say, actually, I don't need to work at the crazy hours that I was doing before. And you mentioned your clients as well, or people you work with, they've got loads of assets and they don't necessarily need any more. Kind of, what are they working for? Because, yeah, essentially you can actually do something more meaningful with your life or do, um, I'd also talk about your understanding what your purpose is, what you, you know, what your strengths are, what your, what the world needs solving meaningful problems. But um, yeah, so what was, um, one of the things we could talk about is essentially why, so we're talking about kind of why do we need to have um, a better solution, we talk about, um, so yeah, what we talk about um, why do we need a kind of better system that we've got in place, what would you, what would you suggest to, to improve it? Yeah, it's a, good, it's a really good question. So, um, I think something I was very aware of when I got into my first corporate job was this feeling of just intense competition. Yeah. 
So rather than feeling like I was part of a team, I, you know, I've been working in finance and it's particularly competitive in finance, but um, rather than being part of a team, I felt like if I, if I made my next door neighbour do worse than me, yeah. then I would have a better chance of getting a bigger, bigger bonus yeah. and a better position in the company and maybe being like feeling more rewarded in my work later on because I was doing something all exciting and that just you know it felt really really wrong to me and, and I realized quite quickly that um, the whole kind of corporate and money environment is so competitive because there's this sense of of scarcity which is just completely artificially created yeah through our money system so um, the reason for that is basically every pound that's given out is actually issued based on debt so for every pound there is in circulation there's actually more debt that there is to be paid back yeah so everyone in the system is effectively peddling away trying to make enough money just to pay off debts and yeah. the government we all know is like enormously indebted so yeah the government is always in this like growth mindset we have to grow in order to pay off our debt yeah it's kind of like insanity if you, if you actually look at it from the outside. But the mathematics behind it is the continuous kind of growth model. It just doesn't work. It's yeah, we kind all of know it's like clearly not good for the environment and many other things. Yeah. Um, and creating more inequality in yeah. the world because there's lots of money ending up in the hands of the rich and less and less and um, well, not less and less, but it's more unequal. You use a good analogy with the, the musical chairs. Tell us more yeah. about that. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So. It's a great analogy, I think it was actually Charles Eisenstein that came up with it, which is just this concept of, you know, we all, we're all love when we were younger playing musical chairs, yeah. it's a really fun game. Imagine you're in a room with say 100 people and there were 80 chairs and, you know, fun game and the music stops, everyone laughs and tries to get on a chair and say there's 20 people without a chair. Sounds fun until you imagine that those 20 people that get left off the chairs their children will go hungry and they have to sleep on the streets if they don't get on one of those chairs. Yeah. So actually suddenly the, the game changes completely and the music stops and people are literally ripping each other's hair out and like yeah. elbowing each other's off the chairs and possibly even like throwing one of the old ladies out because yeah. she's, you know, it's like you don't even have kids anymore, you can get out. Yeah. So it's suddenly, you know, what we might have considered really nice people are actually yeah. being really nasty to each other. And I was, I was literally in that environment in my work in yeah. finance, so I, I, I know it very well. Um, and it, that, that, that mentality is, is created by the money system because there, there just isn't enough to go around. That's what, you know, in inverted commas, yeah. that's what we experience yeah. in life um, because of this, because money has been issued on debt. And, I think you know the, the the really scary thing about that that environment is it means that when we look at the world today, we yeah. think, oh, it's just human nature that yeah. we're self-interested, yeah. but it's like, no, 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 we've created an environment which enhances yeah. that human characteristic. If, yeah. say, imagine if you had a hundred chairs and a hundred people. Yeah. Maybe some of the chairs would be a little bit softer and a little bit harder, or some yeah. would be like taller and some would be shorter. Yeah. You might have a bit of messiness and some negotiation. In there, yeah. but at least everyone would get a chair to sit on. Maybe, you know, people wouldn't be ripping each other's hair out to get on. Right? Yeah. I think that's for me what I would just love to see being created in the world. Is this yeah. concept of like everyone can have something at yeah. least. Everyone can have enough yeah. to survive. Yeah. Um, 
it doesn't have to be like fighting tooth and nail to get just the basics in life. Yeah. So um, we, we, one of the things that I think would be really, really helpful, and some people have talked about it and it has been tested, um, is this concept of kind of universal basic income, yeah. which feels sort of like madness at the moment. Yeah. And I think a lot of people worry that certain people might get lazy if yeah. you're on universal basic income. So for the listeners, universal basic income basically means that everyone will get an income f- um, no matter what. So you'd get, I don't know, the, the amount you'd get, but say 15,000, everyone would receive 15,000 no matter what you do. And then you can choose to spend however you want to. Um, we, when I first heard about this, I, I agree, I thought it was kind of madness, it would never kind of work. Um, but the more and more I've read, a, read about it, I've actually coming more round to the idea. But there is, I mean, I, just to play devil's advocate, there are bad sides to it. So, um, I was like, who would do kind of the jobs that people wouldn't want to do? So, I do. when I, after university, I went to around, I travelled around Australia and I kind of worked on the farms. It was pretty horrific work, you know, picking fruit or whatever. And if and if I was given an income at that time, there was no way I'd get up at six in the morning and go and pick apples or whatever like that. So that, or there could be whoever's going to be, I don't know, who's going to. I don't know, working quarries or there are challenges around that, but I, I don't know. I, it does make sense. It's a bit like I don't know, the NHS is kind of you know, free at the point of service, everyone has, you know, healthcare and it kind of makes sense now, but at the time it must have been quite controversial at the time. But it's yeah, these are kind of yeah, these schemes. It's from a book called um, where I kind of read about it, Utopia for Realism. Um, it's yeah, a really interesting book. Um, it's basically talking about a dividend on progress, saying that he this guy also talks about kind of um, there was a study in London where they had homeless people where basically they took I think it was like 20 homeless people and they kind of gave them houses and fed them and you know clothed them and told them what they gave them money to start a business and I know know a lot of people I'm sure are shocked at that but then they actually worked out it was actually more economically beneficial to provide a house than it would be for the court costs it would have been for the hospitals the police security guards you know and it's even their um, the cost of educating them as children, you know, that's kind of wasted if they're, you know, not providing, I don't know, back to society when they're older. So yeah, I don't know what. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate, saying the the downside to it. But um, yeah, what? I agree. There's, you know, there's clearly a lot of downsides. I think for me, what are the benefits that slightly? I take the slightly idealist route, which is deep down every yeah. human being wants the same thing which yeah. is like fairness and equality for yeah. everyone in the world like yeah. really if, if we could you know if we could have create the per- if everyone wanted to create the perfect world we would have yeah. you know, nature everywhere yeah. and lots of people yeah. feeling very happy and comfortable including themselves yeah. because the more comfortable everyone is the the, the more people can help each other. Yeah. The problem is at the moment there's so many people living in fear that they're yeah. not going to go around helping anyone else. They yeah. need to just help themselves. Yeah. So I think for me the concept of like universal basic income it's like can you imagine if so many people in society who are currently doing jobs a that they hate yeah. that they aren't actually contributing anything beneficial yeah. to people that you know they might be working in. In, I mean, I shouldn't really give any examples of jobs just in case anyone listening is actually doing that. Yeah. But, like, I, you know, in finance, there were plenty of jobs in yeah. my offices which yeah. felt like they were more damaging to society yeah. than they were actually. Yeah. 
but people were doing them because they needed yeah. to earn money to save for their families. Yeah. Um, so imagine if we were given sort of this base of just enough to survive, what we could do with our time to contribute to the world. Yeah. So everyone knows deep down that the only way to be truly happy is to give. Yeah. And we're all aware of kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Once we've got the basics, we start sort of rising up this road towards self-actualization, which yeah. is kind of being the best version of ourselves. Yeah. But Maslow actually died before he um, published the last piece of work that he put together, was, which is this concept of sort of self-transcendence, yeah. which is basically realizing that we are just part of the greater whole. Yeah. And we're like a cog in a massive machine, which is the earth, the universe, I and mean, yeah. none of us really know why we're all here, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but it's this concept of like, we will only really be truly happy once yeah. we're giving yeah. and feeling like we're valued and giving, contributing to society yeah. or to just people that we know at least. Yeah. And um, that's why, for example, sort of teachers and nurses and doctors feel like they would rather continue doing their jobs, even though they work crazy hours and get paid nothing. Yeah. They feel like they're contributing. Yeah. Um, so, so that's fascinating. Yeah. In in the book, he talks about um, yeah people essentially yeah, like you say doctors, nurses think they're actually contributing to society, whereas they talk about um, spending money to send people to Harvard and to actually pay for you know to work out how many clicks people can do to on adverts. So it's kind of looking at what actually is. Um, a job that will be beneficial to society rather than actually uh, other jobs that necessarily he calls them bullshit jobs actually so it's kind of jobs that people I don't know like market you know it's people that are not going to actually add to the society yeah, like another plastic toy or another crisp company or yeah. another chocolate bar company yeah, or, yeah. You know, it's like really do we really need those yeah. jobs it's like so many poor people have to start jobs doing that yeah. or another fashion brand it's like yeah. we literally don't need that at all um, so I, for me, it's like this feeling of like being able to give your time to something that is meaningful that would come if people were on universal basic income. Everyone would self-actualize way faster. Yeah. Self-transcend way faster, and um, the amount that everyone could create together yeah. if we were just released from this fear of not having enough money would be phenomenal. Yeah. And people wouldn't wouldn't like get IP on their business ideas they wouldn't like withhold information yeah. from each other they would share information yeah because they'd be like we all want to create awesome things together to yeah for everyone so it's like so just for this IP intellectual property so like a bit like Tesla so Tesla's um, famously they gave away all their kind of patents on the internet rather than actually uh, kind of hoarding it and holding it so people would copy them but I think that was more because they were worried about um, other people would copy them and they find it anyway so yeah in, yeah intellectual properties is kind of um, yeah kind of giving your kind of assets that you for your business but uh, coming back to uh, Maslow's hierarchy need just for the listener you think of it like a pyramid um, and you've got your kind of basic needs at the bottom with your, your, your kind of food shelter warmth uh, and moving up to kind of um, kind of more kind of higher needs is what you talk about kind of love belonging self-esteem and then like you, like Lucy mentioned, kind of um, self-actualization is kind of being the best version of yourself. It's is what um, 
um, what Maslow talks about. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's quite interesting. But I guess it's it's easy. Let's move on to kind of how we're going to do this. It's kind of easy to, for us to talk about this in a, a nice hotel in London. But it's um, yeah, actually challenging, actually doing it and changing things. So I think how do we actually do this? I think GDB is a good one. You meant you mentioned that and how you can actually change. Um, it's it's something more, something more meaningful. So I don't know a universal happiness indicator. People talk about um, GD, um, UN seven, there's UN goals of seven, seventeen ways to kind of change um, things like better education, better healthcare, um, kind of gender equality, better um, you know, water supply. So essentially rewarding businesses for meeting these kind of UN goals um, and kind of almost using tax incentives or tax breaks for companies that kind of use these goals for good essentially that's that was one way that people have been suggesting to do it or yeah to make I don't make something more uh, meaningful than kind of GDP so, so when I say GDP it's um, called gross domestic product it's, it's basically what all companies are uh, measured against and you when when people say we go into recession that means that there's been two negative GDP that GDP have gone down for two quarters so that's essentially it's, it's measuring the growth but we talk about kind of how um, how good is growth like actually for the benefit of um, for the world as well we're on a kind of a, a finite planet as well so if we keep kind of making more plastic toys or whatever that we don't necessarily need then um, yeah it's, it's mathematically if you look at kind of the GDP kind of continuous growth it's um, yeah it's not a good model to follow if we want to be a, on a sustainable planet but um, yes yeah, so kind of talk about why um, and we kind of talk about what we need to do kind of what the reason for the current system um, potentially we can talk about how how can the listener if you kind of listen to this and think that makes sense or maybe you're listening and think we're both nuts but um, <laughs> um, yeah what would um, what kind of positive steps that people would be able to take you mentioned simple or positive money mm. what any of these that you'd want to talk about yeah so there, there are some interesting um, concepts have been created uh, that are being talked about in government as well, um, but mostly out of, out of government is sort of campaigning to push forward. But yeah, Positive Money is quite an interesting website to look at. It's, yeah. it's basically this concept that money shouldn't have to be issued on based on debt. Yeah. Um, and it should just be used in a much fairer way. It's, it's quite complex what they're explaining, but it, it's definitely worth checking them out. Yeah. Um, they sort of very much believe in in fairness and money being a means to an end rather yeah. than a reason to live. It does yeah. feel a lot like when you're working in finance that yeah. money is this sort of paperclip maximizer where yeah. basically everyone is just trying to make more money out of money yeah. with no end goal yeah. is the only focus and yeah. they'll take in any resources they can and yeah. use anyone they can to make yeah. more money and yeah. it's sort of this psychopathic weird tendency that people have um, when they when they get too focused on money so I think positive money is much more about using money in the most positive way yeah. simple is um, a way to create enough money in government hands to do things like universal yeah. basic income. So one of the, the issues that we see in society at the moment is this um, like rising inequality where yeah. the rich are just getting richer and yeah. the poor are just being left behind really. Um, and 
the, the reason why that happens is because there are things like tax havens yeah. um, across the world where people can hold money that doesn't pay any tax. Yeah. It, it means that governments have less and less money in their hands to yeah. redistribute that yeah. to, the, to people who really need it. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I went on the website after you recommended it. They talk about almost like a Mexican stand-up where you've got countries that are basically, they don't want to, um, they, they can't act because if they essentially act, then um, it means that kind of uh, companies will go to other different countries. So if the UK brought in kind of extreme me measures of increased tax or something, then the companies that are employing people paying taxes here would just go to a different country. They would go to, you know, offshore countries or they would go somewhere else where it would be, um, you know, that, that would provide jobs for kind of the people in the UK. So it's kind of in the, kind of this standoff where people can't act because they're worried if they do act, then kind of these the corporations will, will go elsewhere, essentially. Mm, yeah, so effectively it's that sort of nation-centric thinking where each nation is in competition with each other for talent yeah. and for big corporates. So yeah. we're, you know, in the UK we've got a low level of tax rate for corporates and very low regulation. So it means that it's very attractive for corporates, but it also means that, you know, they're not governed properly. They yeah. can do what they want yeah. and they pay hardly any tax. And yeah. I think, I think the, U, the HMRC, I'm trying to remember the numbers right now, but... We can put like it in the show notes. 50, if you are, yeah, yeah, it's something like 53% of... Yeah. Um, our tax in from HMRC, the government collects, is yeah. from individuals from income yeah. tax, and only nine percent is yeah. from corporation tax. Okay, in the total pot. So it means, and all the other stuff is IHT, VAT, like all, yeah. all the other kind of taxes, which basically come from individuals as yeah. well. So IHT is inheritance tax and VAT, value added tax, where you kind of the, you pay the twenty percent on the things you buy, just for the the, the listener. Yeah, it kind of makes you realise that how little proportionately corporates contribute to the yeah. total tax pot. And, okay, and that's kind of quite scary. It's sort of, for me, that's like a really good reason for something like Simple because they're, what they're trying to do is create a sort of global governance and tax agreement yeah. that ensures that any company above a certain size yeah. has to agree to like a certain set of regulations on yeah. a global level and they have to agree to pay a certain amount of tax yeah. um, because it would mean you know, organisations like the UN yeah. or the World um, Economic World Forum, is it the yeah. Forum? Yep. Would get more um, money to be able to actually use it for innovative ideas to yeah. sort of change the world for better. And it's it's actually really it's a really simple model, simple yeah. model, um, where they're just trying to get people to sign it to say I'm a global citizen. Yeah. I want global governance and global tax. Yeah. Um, and I yeah want to kind of realise that the whole world is interconnected in yeah. some way and that we have to start looking after everyone yeah. if we want to actually move to like a better yeah. world. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty out there. It's yeah. kind of like most people look at it and go, that is so unlikely to actually get anywhere. But they've, they've actually already, with only 5,000 people signed up, they've already got 65 MPs in yeah. the UK to sign it. So okay, it's, fantastic. it's moving somewhere. Okay, yeah, check that out, that's simple, and you also mentioned positive money. The way I see business moving, it's um, changed from, Milton Friedman calls it, the only reason business was um, 
are in existence is to make profit. I think it's now changed to actually solve meaningful problems. I think even the internet now, the the way the, the kind of business world, it used to kind of the, the business was um, and the, the customer kind of revolved around the business. Whereas I think now with the internet, so many people have had so much choice and kind of opportunity that now businesses have to kind of revolve around the customer. So moving from I mean, this guy Milton Freeman won a Nobel Prize in the 80s, and a lot of the kind of policies, the government policies, were, were on the back of him. But I think I now think companies should be looking to solve meaningful problems, you know, improving the world, and yeah, rather than just it can't just be on purely profits. Even just from the global kind of carrying capacity, where we can't just keep churning out more consumption, it, it, it just doesn't mathematically it just doesn't make sense anymore, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's been fascinating. I, I, so we've kind of covered kind of why, kind of why do we need a better world? Like I think that's, um, we kind of covered that and kind of what we can do, kind of change the current system. And we've also kind of covered kind of how, kind of what kind of positive steps we can take, uh, simple, positive money, actually change away from GDP using UN to kind of, yeah, improve businesses for the better, really. So, um, yeah, is there anything else you want to say, Lucy? I think, is there, or you can promote anything you like, or whatever. <laughs> um, I guess the only other thing I just wanted to say is, um, you know, if you're struggling with finance and investment and saving and things, like you're not alone. It's like a very normal position to be in. Yeah. Pretty much everyone is, you know, looking at the way things work at the moment and thinking, hang on a minute, everything feels like it's upside down. It feels like. Yeah. You know, people with lots of money are just getting loads and loads more handouts, and people with hardly anything yeah. aren't. And I think there is, a, you know, a wide recognition of that. Yeah. And, and the reason for that is this sort of competitive, nation-centric thinking where yeah. all com countries are competing against each other. But I think things are changing, and yeah. like if you push for the right kind of policies and the right um, changes in place, like definitely within our lifetime I think something really brilliant is going to happen yeah uh, so um, have faith yeah Ah, well, that's yeah. It's been fantastic. So, thank you so much, Lucy, the Special Investor of the Year 2018, and this is Millennial Money Mindset. So, please um, keep up the five-star reviews on the podcast, and um, yeah, tell. And also, if you found this interesting, please tell a friend. Just tell one person to listen to it, or tell one person about Simple or Positive Money or Change the GDP. Just to yeah, tell tell one person to yeah, spread the message. Thank you so much, and yeah, anything else, Lucy? Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks really again. Enjoyed it. Thanks Cheers. Bye. Thanks again. Bye.